This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, to the host for this edition of NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay and Micah Adams. No better intro than what we received right there. As the wonderful voice who welcomed us into this program said, I am Carlin Gay, he is Micah Adams, and we are L-I-V-E live right here on NBA Sound System, heard around the world through NBA.com. Thanks for joining us. Micah, how you going, my man? Carlin, I'm great, man. I'm ready to get into it, ready to talk some MJ, some Dream Team, some Clyde, Pistons. I want it all, baby. Yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about it. I've I've seen episode five and six of the Last Dance, which is the uh, critically acclaimed documentary going on right now, and coming in a perfect time because it's we need something to rally around as a basketball community. This has been it. So I'm a little bit more advanced than you have been, but I I, I kind of clued you into what is going to happen in episode five and six. So you, you're ready to go and ready to talk some uh, some MJ. You just you just make sure that you don't do do any bad spoiling over there. You already gave me enough of of a uh, cliff notes. I don't want any more. Give me give me the talking points. You leave all the specifics and all the good stuff until Sunday. I don't know how much I could really spoil on something that happened in 1998, but I'll try my best. I'll try my best just to uh, to hold back <laughs> on, on giving away uh, some of the quote-unquote spoilers from episodes five and six right here on uh, this episode of NBA Sound System. Uh, let's get right into it and, and talk about some of the topics that will happen in those two episodes. Uh, we'll, again, we'll say we won't spoil it, but... Topic number one uh, is the debut of Kobe Bryant in this doc. And Kobe uh, played a big part, I guess, or, or rather MJ played a big part in Kobe's life. I mean, if we if we didn't get the second coming of Michael Jordan through Kobe Bryant, I think we would be lying. He, he is a splitting image of Michael Jordan. The way he walked, the way he talked, the way he chewed his gum, the way he shot a fadeaway. It was all MJ uh, kind of born. So Kobe Bryant is really, you know, the second incarnation of MJ. The kind of crazy thing to me is you go back and you watch some of those real early Kobe games, right? Like before Kobe is Kobe, I think that there's this perception that it took him 10 years to kind of become this walking, talking, as close as it gets to Michael Jordan. Even before he was making All-Star games and before he was a starter, he still just carried himself, and it just it just looked like Michael Jordan, even if, you know, it, it would, of course, take him a while to sort of reach that echelon of first-team All-NBA, superstar, yada, yada, yada. But I, I really do honestly think from the moment he steps on the floor in the fall of 1996, he it's now it's now Kobe is the new as the new the next MJ it's no more Jerry Stackhouse it's no more Grant Hill it's no more Penny Hardaway like it was always Kobe it's not like it became Kobe in 2003 or whatever and I think you know going going back uh you know over the last couple of months following the tragic passing of Kobe and getting to sort of relive a lot of those moments it's really like I don't think I appreciated it in the moment being the you know i'm a massive michael jordan fan so 
I think maybe my default reaction was always, oh, there's there's never going to be another MJ. But no, man, when you go back and you look and you watch all the man- the mannerisms, the ticks, the footwork, the drive, the competitive, every single thing about Kobe Bryant just oozed Michael Jordan. And and the first time they that, that rivalry, and I'm, I'm using quote air quotes here, uh, really came about was in 1998 when Kobe was just in his second year and MJ was sort of on the way out. And it's the year that, of course, we're watching kind of unfold in this documentary, The Last Dance, 97-98. It's at the 98 All-Star Game. And of course, it had to be in New York City. I mean, where else could it be? Where else could it be other than the most, the world's most famous arena? The first time that Kobe and MJ would go on, you know, would, would go head to head with the world watching on the greatest of stages. And we're talking Kobe at the All Star Game. We're talking MJ at the All Star Game, possibly for the last time. And it was really a thrill, and and and, and the storylines that you normally get in All Star games kind of went to the side, and it was really one on one. Here's Kobe and MJ possibly passing the torch. And it's hard it's hard to believe now. I think everyone just sort of assumes that you know Kobe by the time he's making an All Star an All Star team is actually an All Star level player. He really wasn't yet, right? He came off the bench in 78 of his 79 games that year, averaged just 15 points a game. Like he was what maybe the the fifth best player on that Lakers team behind probably obviously Shaq and Nick Van Exel and and, and Eddie Jones. And and there he is starting in the All-Star game. I think the only guard in the West that got more votes than him was Gary Payton. And then in the game itself, right, he's waving off picking waving off Carl Malone so he can go one-on-one at, at Michael Jordan and he's he's bodying him up. He's he's swirling around the tongue it was awesome the the minute that those two first went at it in that all-star game at msg was was a sight to behold you look at mj finished with a uh you know a game high 23 points he reminded everybody that yes i'm a little bit older but i'm still the man here i'm still the guy he ends up with the uh the mvp of the all-star game kobe to his credit brought it uh, but he also took a lot of flack because a lot of people out there were a little upset that this second-year guard, who was not even starting on his own team, took 16 shots in an All-Star game. But he was outdone by his teammate, Eddie Jones, who came off the bench in that game and shot 19 times at the All-Star game, finishing with 15 points. Just trying to remind Laker fans that uh, I'm starting in front of Kobe Bryant. He's not starting in front of me. Uh, he would never admit it, right, publicly, but there, there had to have been a little bit of pride at stake there for Eddie Jones, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, you're you're, you're the guy. You're still like, – Eddie Jones was nice. I think people forget that because Kobe was able to come back and eclipse him. Uh, but at the time, as you said, this Laker team was stacked. They had four All-Stars uh, at that All-Star game. Of course, Shaq, Nick Van, Exel, Nick Van Exel joined them. But they had a really tough team. They won 61 games that year. And you could actually hear about a little bit about that in the archives right now on NBA Sound Systems uh, podcast feed. You and I, Mike Adams, talked about the 98 Jazz and how close they came to beating the Chicago Bulls. Well, they had to go through that 98 Laker team that was completely stacked. The four All-Stars. We didn't even get to Rick Fox. We didn't even get to Eldon Campbell. Uh, we, we didn't even get to Robert Ory. That was a stacked team that won 61 games that year. 
and the Utah Jazz had to beat them just to get to the finals to play the Bulls. Uh, that's that's a little teaser. You could go back in the archives and listen to that episode. But but you're right. Eddie Jones had to have had it. I mean, he's already a little nervous. This guy's coming in, taking some playing time. Now he's out voting me in the All-Star game. You hear the rumbles that he should be starting. Uh, he's getting one-on-one matchups with Michael Jordan. No, no, I'm still here. I'm, I'm still Eddie Jones. I'm still the guy. Let me get my shots up. Yeah, I look, man. I, I think I look back at the '90s, and I and I always think about like what if, and I always I my the first thing I always gravitate towards is we never got to see MJ and Hakeem in the finals. Right behind that, though, is I look. They didn't come close to getting by the Jazz. They got absolutely smoked. Uh, got swept in the in that '98 conference finals. Watching Kobe and Shaq go against MJ and Scotty uh, in the NBA finals would have been absolutely incredible. Yeah, we would we would have had a chance to actually see the torch maybe passed in the finals like it was passed from Magic to MJ. Uh, and that leads us to topic number two in the next two episodes of The Last Dance. We saw in uh, episodes three and four, finally MJ was able to climb the mountain. He was able to get his first NBA championship, his first of six. He was able to beat Magic Johnson in the finals. Well, in episodes five and six, we get to see the journey and the story of of him getting this second ring uh, going back-to-back with the Chicago Bulls. And really, what it comes down to is the rivalry between he and Clyde Drexler. And uh, in MJ's mind, there was not much of a rivalry. But when you go back and look at what Clyde Drexler did in his career and what he was at the time, I mean, there's an argument to be made that they were in the same class. No, I agree. And and look, I, I think that Clyde Drexler falls in the sort of unlucky, unfortunate camp of just, he's just always going to be compared to Michael Jordan. And when that's the guy you're going to be compared to, you're just going to lose every single time. And it's hard to look back at, at it now because we, you know, we know what happens in the finals, right? Like Clyde, he shoots 40% from the field. He gets badly outplayed by Jordan in, in almost every game. His career is never the same again after that finals. But Clyde Drexler entering, so entering that NBA final series, okay, he's coming off the first round. So if you look at game score, right, we're, we're tossing every single stat that we have from a box score into a blender. It's spitting out one number, okay? That 1992 first round is the best he ever played in any first round. The second round, the best he ever played in any second round. The conference finals, it's the best conference finals he ever had in the five times he reached there. So this is a guy that not only just finished second in MVP voting, but quite literally had the three best series round by round by round of his entire career. And then he goes up against MJ and just gets absolutely torched. (laughs) <laughs> and and leading into that, by the way, this was the second time he reached the finals in the last three seasons. And the only reason why it wasn't three in a row is because he ran into Magic Johnson and the Lakers the year before. We could have seen we could have seen Drexler and Jordan in the finals the year before, but for some reason, you know, Magic was able to make it through the last time he did that uh, t- to face Jordan uh, in the finals. So Drexler was able to, to not only put up numbers and bunches, get his team very deep into the playoffs. He was right there with MJ and looking for his first championship ring because a lot of the same things was said about Drexler. He was just a scorer. He couldn't get his team over the hump. He wasn't going to be able to get it done in the clutch. Uh, and he had the opportunity to prove everyone wrong, unfortunately, ran into one of the greatest winners of all time. Now, yeah. in saying that, we had... Well, hold on, hold again, on. Uh, you, you, you brought up two in a row. Could have been three in a row. 
right? Like because right. because let's not forget that he reached it in 1990. It's Michael Jordan that came up short before Clyde Drexler did, right? Like I, I think we you know we we talk about Clyde Drexler not being able to get over the hump in terms of of winning. Of course, he ended up winning in Houston, but. You know, it's it's Clyde Drexler that got to the finals before Michael Jordan here, and he was actually really good against the Pistons in that 1990 finals that had Chicago, you know, had, had Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant not combined to shoot, I think, what was it, like three for 25 or something in that game seven. We could have had 1990, 1991, and 1992, Drexler and MJ. I, I think that that also goes down as a what if. That immediately becomes one of the, uh, two or three best individual rivalries in the history of the sport. Uh, if that if that goes down just a little bit differently, right? No, no question about it. And and, and that's I, I kind of want to bring that to light because Clyde, as we said, after that final series against MJ, he was really never the same as a basketball player. And I, I that hit me hard because we just recently did an NBA Sound System podcast talking about the top fifteen players of the nineties. And I mistakenly left Clyde Drexler off the top, my top 15 list anyway, uh, originally, initially. And I was absolutely wrong. You guys crushed me for it. They said a lot of bad things about me. You can go back and listen to that in the archives. But now that in, in, in hindsight, in super hindsight rather, uh, going back and looking at Clyde's career as a whole, when you take away that final series against MJ, he was pretty good. He was really good in the playoffs. And it, it's nice to see that he was able to get one ring, but unfortunately, he got it when MJ was out of the picture completely. Well, a little bit. He was he was back in the league at that point, but he, he left to play baseball, and Clyde snuck in like a thief in the night and stole a ring before MJ was able to get back on top of the mountain. One of the things that I don't think that Drexler gets enough credit for, I think he's a guy that is a little bit ahead of his time. So we, we live in a world right now in the NBA, there were four players this season across the league that averaged 25, 6, and 6, right? You, you lower it down to, you know, 25, 5, and 5. It's, it's a lot of guys. Basically, there's a lot of guys in the league now that put up points and they, they score and they and they get rebounds and they dish out dimes and they kind of do it all. We live in a world where there's LeBron and there's Harden, there's Westbrook, there's Luka Doncic, there's Kawhi Leonard, there's there's all these wings that kind of do it all. That just wasn't a thing. So I mentioned the 25, 6 and 6. There were four there were four guys that did that this season alone in the entirety of all of the 80s and all of the 90s, only three guys ever did it. And it's Michael Jordan, it's Larry Bird, and it's Clyde Drexler. This guy was a do-it-all, facilitating, rebounding, high-load scoring machine. And he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he just so happened to come along at the exact same time as Michael Jordan. Yeah. Fortunately for Clyde, uh, he ran into one of the greatest winners of all time. If you're listening to this right now, we know that you love the NBA. And if you're like us and you're missing NBA action, don't worry about it. We got you covered over on NBA.com. All your news, notes, and anecdotes around the league. You want to learn more about the uh, 98 Bulls and the Last Dance? Head on over to NBA.com, top of the page, hit the link, Last Dance. Draft coverage, we got that over there too. You can get uh, kind of uh, up to date with the big board, the mock drafts, everything around the league. Hearing rumors that the season might come back, don't worry. We got the facts for you on NBA.com. NBA.com, happy to keep you in the know. Micah, 
Uh, let's keep everyone listening right now in the know about the 92 Dream Team because it's one of the biggest moments, and quite frankly, it's probably a reason why you and I have jobs right now. Uh, the 92 Dream Team goes should go down in history as not only the greatest team, but the most influential team in all of sports in North America. My so the dream the dream team documentary I think but prior to this MJ one and the last dance coming out is is my favorite uh, basketball documentary ever and and you know you hear just these the the legends of Michael Jordan staying up all night and playing cards and then going into games and and they're they're staying they can't stay in the Olympic Village my favorite part of that whole thing is John Stockton just like walking around and nobody has any idea that John Stockton is a member of the dream team. And he just looks like some other tourist at the 92 Olympics with his family and his big Polaroid camera around his neck. That's my favorite part of the dream team. Yeah, John, and John Stockton, by the way, uh, I, he made the dream team. He actually got hurt leading up to the Olympic Games in a game against Canada. He got injured. Michael Jordan runs into him. At the time, he thought it was just a small injury. He could walk off. Turns out it was a broken foot. 33 days before the Olympic Games, John Stockton breaks his foot. Could you imagine the, the, the pressure John Stockton would have been under because of one, you know, he got chosen for the dream team is the first time professional basketball players are able to play in the dream team. Every owner is afraid that this is going to happen, that someone is going to get injured. And guess what? It happens to John Stockton. So it's the pressure from the owners, maybe telling him, how about get out of the dream team? Let's keep you healthy for the jazz season coming up. The 93 jazz season, that's coming up. We need you healthy. And then also, he's one of 12 guys, a special group of people that will go down in history. And on that side, they're saying, you got to stick with us here. We're really trying to send a message. We're trying to set the bar high. I mean, to be John Stockton in that summer of 92 would have been insane. And and the fact that he still went through and played on that dream team with a broken foot is one of the greatest stories, I think, of John Stockton's legacy. I mean, he's he's one of the Iron Men of the NBA, right? Like that guy, that guy, I feel like could walk into a training camp right now and somehow manage to play all 82 games. Uh, and probably average six or seven dimes. That guy could just play forever. I do think, however, we're kind of we're kind of skirting by something a little here because one of the things oh that gets talked about in the upcoming episode, uh, episode five specifically, is right. They get into picking the dream team, right, and all the right. controversy around whether or not Isaiah Thomas should have been there and whether Michael Jordan played a hand in in, in Isaiah not being there and whatnot. Um, Look, I don't think it's very hard to, to to connect the dots and say that if Isaiah had been there, Stockton's probably on that short list of guys that is not there, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say that. But I think the last, and, and I, I read this somewhere, so, so I may be wrong, but I think the last spot came down between Clyde Drexler and Isaiah Thomas, and obviously Clyde makes it over Isaiah, which, when you look at it, if, if it's just those two, that's not a bad choice. Clyde Drexler at the time was, as we just we just explained, one at the top of the game uh, in, in terms of you know star power. But I do believe that Isaiah Thomas should have made the dream team. But it sounds like, to me, you're suggesting that Isaiah should have made it over John Stockton. I, I, think, I think that there are three players who definitively should not have been on the dream team that were three and depending three and depending depending upon look 
I, we'll, we'll get into the fourth. There's a fourth name that I want to run by you because, look, they were never going to keep him off. But if the goal is to actually put the best team that you possibly can, there's another guy there that probably shouldn't have been there. But we'll get to that in a moment because I do think wow. there's legitimately three guys that made it that that I don't want to say had no business being there. That's way too strong. Uh, <laughs> but there's three guys that were on the dream team that should not have been on the dream team. I think you're crazy, first of all. And second of all, I hope, and I'm not going to let you off the hook, you can't just say that these guys shouldn't make it. you got to find replacements for them. So let's put you on the hot seat right now. The the, the dream team, by the way, Christian Leitner, you can go out there and say that he shouldn't have been on the team. They were, you know, the plan was to put one college guy on the team, and I don't know if there was any other college player in America that should have been on the team other than Christian Leitner. But go ahead. Floor is yours. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Go ahead. Go ahead. Shaquille O'Neal wasn't the national player of the year. He wasn't a two-time defending national champion. Get Shaquille O'Neal out of here. Put in Christian Leitner. He deserved it. He literally won National Player of the Year the year before. It just wasn't the Wooden Award. The guy was a two-time consensus All-American, the number one pick of the draft, averaged 24-14 and the the last year at LSU. It's not like he wasn't this great college player either. Look, I'm a dookie, all right? I ride or die for Christian later. I was one of the Cameron crazies. Beat my chest, paint my face, going nuts. Uh, JJ Redick is one of the defining, uh, defining influences of my entire collegiate experience. So look, believe me, I have a lot of love for Christian Leitner. In no way, shape, or form, or any universe, this one or anywhere else in the Milky Way, does Christian Leitner ever belong in that team ahead of Shaquille O'Neal? I don't want to hear it. And that's that's the easiest one. Okay. Uh, he was, but, you know, but so Christian Leitner, you're, you're, do, you're doing, you're, you're doing, I feel like you're doing revisionist history here. Christian Leitner was the man in college basketball at the time. Like they were, yes, Shaq had an, you know, he, he, don't get me wrong, Shaq is Shaq. But Christian Leitner was the man at the time on the best team in the country two years in a row and was the best player. Like he was, he was the face of college basketball at that time. For sure, he should have been on the team. If right. we're picking one guy you, out of college basketball, 100% Christian Leitner. What are we talking about here? If you want to be the guy that dies in the hill of picking Christian Leitner over Shaquille O'Neal for the Dream Team, you, go ahead and be my guest, bud. I'm, I'm on that be hill. My guest. I'm staying there. The, fla- the flag is planted. But go ahead. You have three more uh, guys, well, so, so go okay, ahead. Okay. Well, no, there's two more. Well, there's there's two and a half more. Okay. Uh, <laughs> look, we, we alluded to it before. John, John Stockton shouldn't have been there because not only – uh, is Isaiah Thomas a far more worthy uh, player? Uh, I think there's another point guard that should have gotten in over Stockton as well. I think I think Kevin Johnson also uh, had a better argument than Stockton did at the time. I, why that last pick came down to Drexler or Isaiah Thomas is a little bit beside me because in my mind, both Isaiah Thomas and Clyde Drexler should have been there uh, in lieu of John Stockton. And even if even if not Isaiah, I think it should have been Kevin Johnson in that other point guard spot. People hear the name Kevin Johnson and just think of the mayor. They they have no clue that Kevin Johnson was uh, one of the top players in the late 80s, early 90s for the Phoenix Suns before uh, Charles Barkley showed up and, and gave him the superstar they were desperately missing. But you go back and look at Kevin Johnson's numbers, we're talking 20 and, and, and 10 assist-wise at a time where 20 and 10 meant something in the NBA. Uh, Kevin Johnson had three straight 20 and 10 seasons over that span. The rest of the entire NBA, uh, only two other guys did it once 
It was magic. Wow. And then my namesake, Michael Adams. Uh, wow. And I, and look, I, th- I think, you know, you look back and you say, okay, that the initial, that first 10 is announced going into the 91-92 season, right? So really we're basing it off of play through the 1991 season. At that point, Johnson is coming off his third straight All-NBA second team uh, nomination. And in that last season leading up to the announcement, Stockton was a third team guy. Uh, You know, two previous years on the second team alongside Kevin Johnson. But I really do think, like, you go back and look, uh, Kevin Johnson would have been the youngest player on the Dream Team. I think he was just, he would have been uh, 25, one year younger than Pippen. But I really do think, like, if Kevin Johnson gets that gets that dream team spot, I think we think of him a little bit differently uh, than we do now. I think people think of him as, you know, a nice player, a good second fiddle to Charles Barkley, but never really kind of that truly elite talent. I think people drastically sleep on how good Kevin Johnson was in sort of those that late '80s, early '90s. I 100% agree. Kevin Johnson kind of, uh, he's kind of one of those lost guys of the 90s that people will forget from the decade. But by the way, he was good in the late 80s too. So I don't want to take away uh, what he did early in his career and just talk about what he did late in his career. But you're absolutely right. Kevin Johnson uh, should have been in the conversation. But to make it over John Stockton, you're crazy. John Stockton is, is a Hall of Famer for a reason. It's because he was a bad man at that time. And Kevin Johnson wasn't breaking his foot and continuing on to the Olympics. That's what John Stockton brought to the team. So you're wrong. John Stockton's on the team. Kevin Johnson, uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. See you later. Next. Who, who, who else were kicking off this this historic okay. team? What, what, what do we got? The other guy, well, all right, all right, well, for the the other, the, look, we, we can't talk about the dream team and not talk about uh, how, how much Isaiah Thomas got shafted. Uh, let's just go up. Let's just set the record straight. Okay. Leading into that announcement, there was one player in the entire NBA, not Michael Jordan, not Magic Johnson, uh, not Larry Bird. Isaiah Thomas had made 11 straight all-star games going into that dream team announcement. The only guy who could make that claim somehow doesn't make it. So, uh, whatever, regardless of how much we disagree about John Stockton and Kevin Johnson, just Isaiah Thomas is the biggest shoe in possible uh, when you take all the other context out of it. Okay, skipping ahead to the second guy here. This one I think you're going to be a little bit mad at, but I'm actually I'm kind of surprised when you look back how this doesn't kind of get brought up a little bit more. Are we sure that Scottie Pippen deserves to be on the Dream Team? <laughs> I'm serious. Are, are we sure? Are we sure that Scottie Pippen deserves to be on the Dream Team? I, I want to hear your argument because I, I'm laughing okay. because we're talking about Scottie Pippen, uh, one of the greatest players of all time, and maybe he's he's a victim of a little bit of why John Stockton made the team. Like you can't have Mike without Scottie, especially at the time, and you couldn't have Carl without John, right? So maybe he's a victim of that, right? And, and I get that. And look, if you're trying to convince Michael Jordan to play, remember he wasn't a shoe in to play. I think initially Michael Jordan was already telling. Rod Thorne, ah, you know, I played in 84 with Bob Knight. I've done it. I don't need to be there. He took a little convincing, right? So maybe, you know, Scotty's there as a way to kind of entice Mike. Uh, You know, that's, and if that's the case, then, you know, put him on team, put PJ Armstrong on team, put Horace Grant, John Paxson, uh, you put them all on the team. I don't care. Uh, But just look, the fall of 1991, here is Scotty Pippen's resume. Okay. Really good defender. Had won one championship. He had a grand total of zero All-NBA selections at that point in time. He had a grand total of one All-Star 
nomination at that point in time. So when I look at Scottie Pippen, who, by the way, was also the youngest player on the Dream Team at, at 26, I think we we look now. You would you would look at a 26 year old now and say he's he's ancient, but this is a guy who at the time had not yet been named one of the 15 best players in any given season, and like I said, had just that one All Star coming off uh, winning that first title. How does James Worthy not get that spot over over Scottie Pippen? Like James Worthy is in the middle of his prime. He's a three-time champion. He's in the middle of making seven straight All-Star teams. He's only 30. It's not like James Worthy's 36 or something. How is that not how is that how does that spot go to Scottie Pippen? Well, well, first of all, Scottie had two two rings by that time, by that summer. By the time No, no, no. Game, no, right? no, 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 not no, not summer of 92. He got he got named to the team in the fall of 1991. That's when they announced it. Fair enough. Right? Fair, so fair yes, enough. they would they would go on to win it again, but you can't you can't give him credit for his resume as criteria for making the dream team for what happened in the season after it was already announced he was on the squad. All right. Well, well, well first of all, James Worthy one of a Hall of Famer and and you know player of the '80s, but once you hit the '90s, it's a new it's a new school it's a new school game now. You got to have Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was and and if this team needed defense, it was coming from Scottie Pippen. James Worthy, great player, but he wasn't a lockdown defender like Scottie Pippen was. If you're building a team, Wilkins. Then why not Dominique Wilkins? He wasn't a lockdown defender either. If you're building a team and you want one player to defend at that time. You're talking Dennis Rodman. You're talking Scottie Pippen, and I think you already know where yeah. the choice. Most people would make the choice. You're talk, you're taking Scottie Pippen because you're getting the offense, you're getting everything else, and then also it it, it helps to have Michael Louis Garden on the team. Carlin, look 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 who else is in the '92 Olympics? Who are we worried about here? What what? Why are we worried about? Why are we worried about making sure that we can stop uh, the other team's best player when we're when we're rolling out uh, and playing against Angola, where we're winning every game by thirty or more, when the best <laughs> player in the field is probably is probably Tony Kukoc? Like, what what are we doing here? It's uh, fair. Why, I'm, I'm why are we saying, worried about that? I, I'm just saying. I'm just giving reasons why Scotty probably would have made the team. Defending defending maybe mattered. Maybe they were worried about that. Maybe they just wanted to have guys that could go in and lock down and Scotty was that guy but you're right James Worthy maybe should have got more consideration I don't know how much consideration he got at the time he definitely should have got more consideration uh and but I don't I don't know I'm not mad that Scotty's on the team not mad that Scotty's on the team. I'm a bull I'm a Bulls fan and a Duke fan and here I am kicking off Scotty Pippen and Christian Leitner from the dream team I don't know what the hell and adding and adding James Worthy from UNC how about that well hey man do you Look, I just try to be objective here, okay? I don't let my personal feelings get in the way. I'm like somebody I know. Um, You're right. Okay, I'm quite so biased. What's, what's the third? You mentioned you. Well, I want to. I want to. You mentioned you know it's a new decade. We got to get the new blood in there with Scotty. If this was about the '80s, it would be James Worthy. You you truly honestly feel that way, right? Oh, 110 percent. I know where this is going, but 110 okay. percent. I feel like I know where this is going. Well, okay, so. If if we are trying to build the absolute best team that we can possibly create, okay, which seems to me that's the argument that you're that you're making here, right? Like you're filling out a roster, you're thinking about who could do what the best. If Just we don't are say something to you're going to regret, absolute, please. Don't say something you're going to regret. Put the, oh, I'm going to. No, I'm not going to regret it. Okay, I'm not going <laughs> to regret it. 
I are we the other guy? Are we one hundred thousand percent sure that a thirty-five-year-old Larry Bird has to be on the dream team? Are you just gonna hang up on me? I I, I mean, no. We're not, you get what I'm that, getting at, right? There there yes. are there are twelve better players. There are probably. 25 better play well maybe not 25 there's probably 18 to 20 better players than larry bird in, in the summer of 1992 right that's fair but larry bird meant so much to basketball and the growth of basketball at the time like if magic and larry don't come into the league when they do and kind of have their historic rivalry through the 80s is basketball even in a position to think about growing outside of the united states at that point right like the, we're talking about all the stuff that the NBA had going on in the 80s that was uh, that people didn't want to write about, and then two competitive, most competitive guys probably come into the league at the same time, relatively the same time together, and win championships, play each other in the finals as many times as they do. And Larry Bird was a part of that. He was he was the face of basketball for so many people. I get it. He probably shouldn't have been on the team, but I, but it was a lifetime achievement award. So same for Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was retired at that point in his career, but he still made the team because of because of what he meant to the league. They were co-captains. How can you take the co-captain off? I'm taking him off. Look, this is ruthless. This isn't about this isn't about uh, worldwide impact. I'm just talking strictly basketball on the floor. If I'm building the best possible team that I can in the moment. Is it sacrilegious to say I don't want Larry Bird? Yeah, a little bit. But it's a 35-year-old Larry Bird. This isn't 25-year-old Larry Bird. This isn't MVP Larry Bird. This isn't even all-star Larry Bird. This is guy who's going to be out of the league uh, three weeks after the Olympics Larry Bird. That's all I'm saying. Give me Dominique Wilkins. So By Dominique the way, is a guy. Dominique. Dominique is a guy. You I would, yeah. Give me Dominique. I, I'll, I'll take Dominique. Did you know that the only player over the, of the seven years going into... When they announced the Dream Team, Dominique, the only guy, including Mike, to average 25 a game the seven straight years going into that 92 Olympics. And by the way, came back and had two amazing seasons then before he gets injured. Now, look, I've, I'm just saying I would have I would have maybe preferred Dominique. That's all. You're, you're, you're coming across a little bit like Coach Herring who cut Michael Jordan in his uh, sophomore season at Langley. You, you can't and, cut the legend Larry thing- Bird off the Dream Team. I just did. I'm cutting Christian Leitner. I'm cutting John Stockton. I'm cutting Scottie Pippen, and I'm cutting Larry Bird. Well, you said there's a half out there. Is the half Magic Johnson because he was <laughs> he was old too? No, no. The half the half was Larry Bird. I I can't look. I I understand why he's there. Obviously, Larry Bird has to be there. I'm not going to say Larry Bird is is what what the one of the the three most famous players ever at that point in time, right? You like for all the reasons that you said, Larry Bird has to be there. All I'm saying is that if you view it through the lens of just strictly best basketball team we can make, Larry Bird doesn't belong in there. That's all I'm saying. Larry Bird is my That's three fair. and a half. That's fair. It's still, it's still a historic team, and you're right. That that documentary on uh, the 30 for 30 on on the on the Olympic Dream Team is is probably one of the best ones. Uh, and one of my favorite pieces of content during that is is the the practice. We we've, we've always heard about the infamous practice and everything else in that Dream Team. Here's a tease for you guys that haven't seen episode fives and six yet. That uh, that practice is talked about in those episodes, and you learn a little bit more and see a little bit more about what happens in those practices. Uh, quick trivia for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here um, before we wrap up. Don't do that. To, why you, why you got to do, do me like that? 96 Olympic Games, 
the, the, the Dream Team, they are not. But they still go on to win a gold medal. There's five members on that team that doubled up. That won in 92 and won in 96. Other than John Stockton, give me the four guys that made it to the 96 team or decided to play in the 96 team. So it's got to be David Robinson, Charles Barkley, yep. Yep. Carl Malone, and yep. is it Scotty? Was Scotty there? Scotty. If you after you cut him, he 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 made it to the second uh, ninety six team and and won two goals. See, he would have been fine. He, he would have been fine. He, he, he maybe the best player on that team. Maybe if he doesn't play in ninety two, he, he's a he's a part of the two thousand team in Sydney. Another <laughs> another very slept on dream team, by the way. That, I, I mean, that, I don't want to call them a dream team. There's only one dream team and one redeem team. That's it. The, the, not, the 2000 team that went to Sydney, good, but they're not the dream team. Stop it. Knock it off. They're good. They're good. They're good. I, they're the good. Ni- the ni- no, uh, I, you're right. The 96 team, though, legitimately would, would could have given the 92 team some problems. They could have. You're, you're shaking your head. I, could, I, could, the, the, the I don't know about that deafening. one. Yeah, maybe maybe well, because your boy well, Reggie was on that team. Now don't ever do that to me. Don't ever <laughs> don't ever say those words to me again. Shaquille uh, O'Neal and Hakeem Olajuwon would would have given them work down low. By the way, yeah, Patrick Ewing they had a, they had a good defense. Uh, by the way, Micah, had the season not stopped, we'd be knee deep in the middle of the postseason right now, uh, and that is kind of a downfall for a lot of. Fans of one team, and one team in particular up north, the Toronto Raptors, they would be defending their title as we speak. But with the pause in the season, that is not happening. But fear not, Micah. We have a solution for all the Raptor fans around the world. Starting next week, May 4th, you can find all Raptors uh, postseason games from a season ago during their historic championship run on NBA League Pass, condensed versions of the game will be available starting May 4th. May the 4th be with you for uh, for those who celebrate that out there. Binge watch the entire historic run of the championships over and over again. Go to NBA.com to learn how you can subscribe for that. Micah, I am excited for episode 5 and 6. I know you are too. Well, I've already watched it. I'm still going to rewatch it uh, when it comes out on Sunday night here in the United States and around the world uh, on early Monday morning on Netflix. I am excited. What are you most looking forward to now that you have the topics out in front of you uh, for 5 and 6? I really hope we get a completely unhinged and in the moment and unfiltered Charles Barkley. Because they're going to talk right about the 93 finals. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that I've heard. Like, I think, like, the Dream Team stuff, I, I've, I've heard a lot of that. Like, the Tony Kukoc and Scottie Pippen stuff, I've heard a lot about that. I would love to hear Jordan and Barkley just kill each other talking about the 93 finals. That's what I'm most yeah. l- most looking forward to. I think you're, you're going to be uh, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. And I, I, my favorite part of it, and I won't ruin it for anybody, but the the the, the Jordan sneaker for all the sneakerheads out there gets discussed in the next two episodes. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the documentary scene. As I'm a sneakerhead uh, myself. For Mike Adams, I am Carlin Gay. Always a reminder: head on to NBA Sound System. And subscribe to the podcast. We have a ton of content there for you to enjoy. Also, head on over to NBA.com. We'll keep you up to date with everything around the league. Hope you enjoyed this. We enjoyed it. We'll see you next week right here on NBA Sound System.